Welcome to a special presentation of Behind the Scenes, where Marvel vs. Marvel revisits the production histories of some of your favourite Marvel movies and TV shows and undercovers how they made it to the screen in the first place. If you're joining us for the first time, our full-length episodes are packed with the kind of insight and behind-the-scenes notes on your favourite Marvel movies. have the knowledge from from uh, the comic book side of this podcast but that's the yang we need the ying we need <laughs> will preston's ying wait hang on uh we need will to 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 make sense of the dollars and cents to have all the the, yes. the behind the scenes on the production um of of the movies that we talk, talk about and sometimes that production story can start decades before the movie comes out especially with marvel properties and the shifting <laughs> rights and things and i know there's a lot to talk about uh, with, with Doctor Strange. Um, so, Will, what have you got? Take us away. Um, you know, a budget and box office is always a good place to start. I was going to say I'm going to start there anyway, as is the uh, tradition. As is tradition uh, we hold here. We, we're all about tradition, aren't we, Rob? A very traditional we're podcast. Very, very yeah. traditional. Very t- traditional podcast. Start with the money. That's why we talk about bears and twinks and otters. <laughs> Very traditional family values. You've got yeah. you, you to put something in there. You've got to put something in there for everyone. Anyway, Doctor Strange came out in 2016, as we know. Uh, the budget was 165 to 236.6 million US dollars. And the box office, Rob, 677.7 million US dollars. It made more money than Ant-Man, but less money than Guardians of the Galaxy. It was a success. That's um, yeah. That's really. I mean, I think those are good ones to compare it to because, of course, you mm-hmm. can't compare it to movies with established characters. You can't compare it to like Iron Man three or uh, Captain America: Civil War. Those are no, difficult ones no, for it. No. But because this has got like no other, you know, um, MCU characters in it, it's just a brand new. So I think it's it's right to kind of like compare it to Guardians and Ant Man, which are kind of this like almost second wave really of characters. Yeah, it's um, taking the same risk as, like, say, uh, like in this in this uh, phase, we have Shang Chi and in, in Internals, where they're taking the same risks here by purely focusing it on them. Sure, yeah, and I guess a similar a similar risk that, like, probably Captain America. Eh, no, none of those ones. They've got too much of a of a fan base, really. Yeah, um, they, but yes, they, they're main good, hitters. So uh, six, seven, seven. So in between Ant Man, but not as much as, uh, as as Guardians, which which makes sense. Guardians was a bit of a bit of a like a had obviously had enough word of mouth to to gain another another hundred or so mil. That was amazing how that got word of mouth though, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. Anyway, yes. So shall I shall I shall I continue going? Yes, please. Yes, please. Well, cool. It's your section. Do what you want. I, I know it's my section, but you, I didn't know if you finished talking. And I had. I, I was. You know how I was silent. Why? That's generally how you know I've stopped talking. So sometimes I need more cues than that. Like you know, because <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm the polite one. Uh, oh, he's doing his hand signal again. He's, he, he's, what, he's yeah. signalling the Navy SEAL team behind him to stop. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, this wasn't actually 
the first Doctor Strange film. There was actually another one made in 1978. Uh, the American uh, TV network CBS aired a Doctor Strange TV movie starring Peter Hooten as Doctor Strange. Alongside Peter Hooten? H- Hooten's about. I don't know. He's, that... he's an absolute nobody, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain. I have never heard of this guy before, yeah, and I yeah. think that's a stage name. He's like, he's like one of those guys who, when you look up his IMDb, it's like uh, played... played one character on one episode of Law and Order and then played one character on one episode of Rawhide. <laughs> yes, yes, you know this. I, I look at this. I always look at this kind of thing and I and I go, it's like all these characters, all these a- actors, like Mushi character actors, tend to do like the circuit of TV guest spots. Yeah. It's like a circuit. Like- I heard... Um, uh, oh, let's not tell that story, Rob. Yes, carry on. Oh, come on. you got a story to tell. Okay, I, Kurt, Kurt Russell's dad owned a baseball team, and there's a great <laughs> documentary about about this baseball team. Yeah, it's called the Battered Bastards of Baseball. It's really good. It's too many bees. And Kurt, Kurt Russell's involved in the production making of it, and he's interviewed. And at the very start of it, he talks about his dad, and his dad was a jobbing actor, in, like we've just talked about. Yeah. And Kurt Russell describes that as apparently it's what it's what's called as a plumber. Oh. You know, you turn up, you do your job, you move on the next day. You're yeah. a, you're you're yeah. an actor, but you're a plumber. Um, and he apparently his dad did all the cowboy like TV shows and, and movies and, and and the cop detective TV shows. And so yeah, his dad was an actor, but he was it was very much a like clock on clock off come home, um, but working loads anyway. No, no, yeah. I, I like that. Plus, Kurt Russell. Any mention of Kurt Russell. I don't know why I'm such a fan of Kurt Russell. I don't know why, but here we go. And because you were born in the 1980s, Will. It's just what happens. Yeah, yeah. He was very ubiquitous with that era. Anyway, so he starred Peter Hooten, who, as we've established, is not a... A plumber. A plumber. a plumber. Yeah, we call him a plumber. Uh, he's also starred in this alongside Jessica Walters, who, of course... Uh, didn't she die the other year? I don't know. You've caught me unaware. Sorry. It's one of those things we should have prepared in advance. Should, I'm it? really sorry. I'm really sorry because I actually should have prepared this bit in advance. You you wrote yeah. this down because I was kicking myself when I saw this. I went, of course, I remember seeing seeing this. I didn't see the actual film. I just saw the video of it and I went, no way did that happen. Anyway, Jessica Walters, I believe, did die the other year, sadly. Uh, she very well missed. Who's best known as Lucille Bluth in Arrest Development and uh, Mallory Archer in, of course, Archer. Brilliant. St- I mean... She's stunning in this in this movie because she's. St- I mean, she's a, she's been a, a gorgeous woman all her life. But yeah. Jessica, if you only know Jessica Walters as Lucille Bluth, who's kind of you know the wonky eye, the drunk, and the yeah. falling about, but she was just a stunning woman. I think um, she's stunning for her age when she's when she's yeah. Lucille Bluth. To be- no, uh, she was also uh, in Play Misty for me, if I remember right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah she's yeah. very good. Anyway, what the- a disturbing movie <laughs> that is. Yeah, it's qu- it's quite it's quite disturbing. Uh, the okay, back to back to this though. The movie, this uh, Doctor Strange TV movie, sees seventies psychiatrist Stephen Strange inherit powers from his dead father and battle against the even, sorry, evil Morgan Le Fay. The TV is, is that is that more is Morgan Le Fay anyone? I don't want to like go. Hey Rob, let's stop everything and talk about is this a real character in the comics? Who's Morgan uh, Le Fay? Morgana Le Fay from the Arthurian legend. Uh, she's one of the most enduring kind of fictional characters because she comes from legend. Right. She's an evil. Well, in, in in a lot of the a lot of the legends, she's this evil half sister of Arthur. 
um, and she's this kind of evil witch character, sorceress, and so she crops up in in I think she crops up in, in like she's one hundred percent an evil character in Marvel, but also in DC and like because no one names she's not like an original character, and you'll find her in all sorts of uh, all sorts of fantasy fiction, Morgana Le Fay, yeah, and sometimes Americans don't like the A on the end of that, and they go that sounds weird. Morgan, a much more normal name. That sounds too foreign. Anyway, uh, the TV movie boasted a great budget and cast, impressive special effects for its time, and was intended to lead an ongoing series of feature-length episodes like The Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man TV projects of the era. Unfortunately, the movie performed poorly in the ratings. It was trounced by a showing of ABC's smash hit miniseries, Roots, and the disappointing ratings killed off any future of Doctor Strange on television. Sorry, is is it? Am I thinking what this is? This is like a mini MCU on TV. Yeah, you got the incredible, the Luferengo Incredible Hulk. You've got the Spider Man. You've also had they did the Captain America in the seventies as well. Yeah, he had a TV movie that again they hoped would be a an action adventure TV series. Yeah. Um, it, it was very much an MCU. We have got to, we have got to dedicate mm-hmm. some time. Maybe we could do like a, a, a series of the, the MCU of the seventies episodes. Oh, uh, because that would be so good. It would be an awful, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun for us to do. Maybe not like all in one, one after the other. Cause I know people kind of like, uh, like it when we bounce around, uh, but we've definitely got to take a look at those. Do, do you remember when they were they were doing that Fantastic Four movie in the early nineties? Did it ever did that ever actually get anywhere, or was it just a cancelled project? Roger Corman, Roger Corman's um, Fantastic Four was never intended for release, so the only reason it was made was to keep the right so the production company the distribution company whatever had the the option on the fantastic yeah. four but that option expires if you don't make any money with the project yeah, yeah. so it's not like uh, you you buy it off marvel but if you don't make them any money after a certain period of time the the rights of the character reverts back to marvel so yes it was a uh, a very a very weird um Directive video, but they didn't even really release it properly. They just made it so they could, um, on a technicality, a legality, keep the rights of the Fantastic Four. It's amazing how, how that, that comes into play. Anyway, uh, a film based on Marvel Comics character Doctor Strange was initially listed as being in development at New World Pictures with a script dated January 22nd, 1986, by Bob Gale, who co wrote all three Back to the Future movies. But this never went further into production. And then, what do we know about about New World? I mean, New World Pictures, as we have documented, I think in the animated Incredible Hulk series, it's part of that weird company that ends up like buying and merging with Marvel. Is it that the one that bought all the uh, rights to those films, and they wanted to do like the pun? They did end up doing the Punisher and stuff, is, or is that no? no that no, was that's Artisan. Artisan, right? Artisan. That's did like that. two, three decades later. <sighs> New World had this animation block. They ended up mm. kind of buying and merging with 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 Marvel. Um, that is New World is um, it's uh, Hellboy's company. Oh, Hellboy's um, company. Okay, what's the name of what, Ron Ron Perlman? But not that Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman, not that one. 
Yeah, the, the New World Pictures is associated with his yeah. one of the divisions of his company, I believe. Anyway, right. Oh, the evil, Sorry. Evil Ron Perlman. Not Listen, nice... man, when you, when you go into the history of Marvel, we can run through this and we can go, that happened and then that happened and then... Mate, I think you could just describe the entire podcast... That's yeah, why man. we do this. We do this to dig down so people at yeah, home go, I baby. never knew that. I and, never and they'll hear it and they'll go, we've heard, new- why have they talked about New World before? Yeah. Boom. It's all connected, bro. Uh, so, 1986, that script was dated, but then uh, there were, f- it has, th- listen, there, there's quite a few things coming up in terms of the history behind the scenes of it. It's quite good. So, by 1989, Alex Cox, uh, who's more fame, who who you might know as the director of Repo Man, very good film. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I think it's a Scottish director, Alex Cox, from right Repo Man, great film, very very quirky eighties uh, punk film. Uh, yeah. Had had co-written a script with Doctor Strange co-creator Stan Lee. The script had the character traveling to the fourth dimension before facing the villain Dormammu on Easter Island, Chile. A film using the script was almost made by Regency. But the company's films were distributed by Warner Brothers at the time, which was in a dispute with Marvel over merchandising. Then, in the early 90s, low-budget horror movie director Charles Brand held an option to adapt Doctor Strange for a movie and began production, hiring Jack Kirby to create concept art for the movie. However, before filming could take place, his option on Doctor Strange expired and the movie could not go ahead. The entire script was rewritten and became the low-budget 1992 movie Dr. Mordred. Have you heard of that? I've seen it. Is it good? I, I, I saw it when I was a kid. I, I really don't know it's not good because it was one of the... Yeah. It was the world... The, listen up, youngins. The world before the MCU and before Dark Knight and, and Batman Begins and stuff... As a kid in the in the nineties, I was desperate for any superhero movie or TV show. Absolutely desperate. Like when the secret world of Alec Mack came on television, <laughs> I know it's just not a superhero thing, but it's got powers and it's nearly superhero. I'm like watching it every day going, Why don't you just stop all the funny <laughs> stuff and make a proper superhero TV show or whatever it is? Yeah. Like desperate for it. And so there was this weird world of like really bad director DVD, director video yes. kind of movies. Um, Shaquille O'Neal playing a, uh, a <laughs> playing a junkyard Superman in Steel. Like I, I, I snapped that up and devoured it. Can't remember a single frame of dialogue in it. And yes, Doctor Mordred. It was pitched. I, I, the, I think there was a movie poster. In, I got my um, videos from uh, the local like corner shop. Had yes. some had like the back room of videos, and I'm sure there was a poster for this. Um, and and it, it 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 looked. It had a front cover that was kind of a bit like Tron, or maybe a little bit yes. like Lawnmower Man. It was really really low. Didn't look very good, but it was pitched as like the new superhero thing, and it was Doctor Mordred and. I know enough about comic books that Doctor Something means superhero. Dude. So yeah, I, 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 I rented it and watched it. I can't... I mean, it, it didn't leave a, a big impression on me, though. Other than I remember renting it. Do you... Do you uh, it's, it's, it's amazing going back to those days, like Blockbuster Video and, 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 and your independent video place, and just looking at things you had never heard of before. I mean, Netflix has really cornered the market on that, where you just have these random 
He goes, hey, you haven't watched this yet. And it's like, I've never heard of this. And it turns out, oh, Netflix have made it as well. These really weird niche films. Yeah, I, I also think that, like, um, I think Amazon Prime Video is the top, top one for that. Mm. When when you They've got a, a, an app called Just Watch, which is really good for letting you know what's just been released on all the different platforms. Man, they'll, it'll be like uh, 600 new titles have been added to Prime Video. And you go... Jesus, okay, and you'll scroll through, and within three films that you've heard of, suddenly there's like a hundred English language movies that are so painfully low budget, and then there'll be tons and tons of foreign language films as well, um, things you never would have would have come across. Um, so yeah, I think Prime Video is kind of top for just dumping tons of content out there. Obviously, they they're snapping up for cheap. I've I've um, often thought about this. It, I won't go too far into my concept. I think we're at that point where you cannot see all, you know, all the films that you must see before you die, sort of thing. That list is constantly growing. We're going to reach a point very soon where it's going to be impossible to watch all the films you must see before you die. So there's too many good things. Will Preston, too many good movies are being made. Yes, stop making them. Yes, <laughs> too many. <laughs> Give good... me time to catch up. This is ex- Hollywood. Take five years off. Will Preston is busy. I think they kind of they almost did with the pandemic. But you know what I mean. We are. We are. There's too much content. There is. Too, you're not going to be able to experience it all. We we can't rewatch but, things. But it's you terrible. don't have to. Okay, I didn't mean all. There, there's all a the part. There's a part of your brain, Will. That is this. I have to complete things. I have to see all of the things, rather than you don't have to watch these things. I think that's a perfectly healthy mindset to have. And <laughs> you how dare you? All the Simpsons seasons after it got good, hating every minute of it. Some sometimes they were good. I'll tell you what's even sometimes. worse. I watched all six Resident Evil films, and There's boy, no need. Because I'm a big Resident Evil fan. But there's no need, is there? There's no need to watch Underworld films. There's no need oh, to watch yeah. any of any any Alien movie past three. There's no need for these things. Thank you for saying past three, because despite its problems, I think three's fine. I agree. Good. I'm, I'm really let's, glad let's we... Agree. Anyway, let's move on. Sorry, another tangent. People are going, when are they going to get to Doctor Strange? Anyway, so... By December 1992, Wes Craven had signed up to write and direct a Doctor Strange movie for release. Oh, you're kidding me. Would it be a horror? Wes Craven. Well, when has Wes Craven not done a horror? Good point. Very good point. He's all, this, um, is, this, is, this is Nightmare on Elm oh, Street, man. Scream. This is that Wes Craven. Hills Have Eyes. You, oh, you, you probably yeah. get that guy with the weird face in it at some point 92 Wes Craven so it's before he's come back and done New Nightmare and Mm -hmm. Scream and and Vampires his masterpiece I've never Um, the only only Wes Craven film I've ever watched is uh, Scream 2 am I missing out have you seen Scream? Never, I haven't seen the first one. Is that actually worth watching? Scream is brilliant. Okay. So Scream 2 is good. Scream is brilliant. Wes Craven's New Nightmare is good because it. Um, you want to talk metaverse. Um, Freddy leaves the fictional world and starts killing the cast of the original Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> um, I love it. One by one. It's awesome. Okay. New Nightmare is brilliant. And and then, yeah, Sc- Scream's really good and really smart as well. Scream 2's pretty darn good. I'm going to have to do some research on it. Anyway, so he was set to direct a Doc Strange movie for release. Uh, he signed up to re- for release in either 1994 or 1995 with Savoy Pictures Distributing. 
also in 1995, David S. Goyer had completed a script for the film. Why do we like him? Is he the Batman guy? He's the comic book He's the Batman guy. He's the Batman guy. I was trying to remember when I was writing this, like, he's the Batman guy, isn't he? He wrote all your favourite films, Will. He wrote all my favourite films, Will. He didn't want much. He didn't want much. You gave the the credit to (laughs) some other person, Christopher Nolan, maybe. Uh, (laughs) After this, the rights for the film bounced around various studios for years. So, but now this is where it gets. In, this is this is where it gets interesting. In two thousand seven, once the rights to the character resided back with Marvel Studios, Guillermo del Toro and Neil Gaiman pitched a version of the film to Marvel with Gaiman writing and del Toro directing. But this didn't move forward. Oh my God! This is the second thing I've ever seen where I've been like, oh, by the way, Guillermo del Toro had a version. Here are the concept art they did. And I've gone like, why didn't this happen? Guillermo del Mm. Toro is incredible. Guillermo del Toro is one of those people where it's like, we need to give him like way more money and way more chances to do things because he's a genius. He's a creative genius. Yeah, but it's letting auteurs into the hen house, baby. Um, so it's the year before Iron Man. Like at Marvel Studios, they 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 got yeah. they got their kind of idea, haven't they? They've got their idea. We're going to do a phase, and it's all going to be kind of linked into each other. And whatever Gaiman and Del Toro are doing, it's not going to be it's not going to be like that. That would have been something else, though. See, this is this is uh, that that line they're stepping at the moment, especially when they did Eternals. They had, was it Chloe Zhao? We'll go into more about it. But there's like the idea is, oh, we'll get an auteur, someone who's got a really good artistic style. But the problem is, the way they do things is most of the film's been done already because it's part of a larger narrative. So there isn't much room for an auteur to really leave their mark, which is kind of what happened with Ant Man, wasn't it? I really think what they could that what they could have done is they could they could have the major tentpole characters mm. all done like this, and then you could take your your Doctor Strange, your Ghost Rider, your Blade, and you could have like a, a even you know allow yourself to do eighteen plus movies, yeah. and you could hand them off to to other guys and goes okay, we don't want you to use these characters, we don't want you to go too far and do this, but you know like like they did with basically what they did with the Netflix. Marvel. Yes, it, it was the seedy underbelly. Yes, it was aggressive and violent yes. and full of stuff that would never make it into the movie. But it was completely separate and adult, um, and let various different visions play out. Anyway, that would have been cool to see. You know, I would have, I would have loved this. That's a dream team right there. I don't think they've ever worked together on a project, but that's a match uh, made in heaven. Well. Uh, Gaiman doesn't really have any movie movie screenwriting experience. I mean, it's I, I think he's an incredible writer of books and comics, but that doesn't necessarily always translate. But yeah, it would have been exciting anyway. Yeah, cool. Okay, so next, director Scott Derrickson, who is a big fan of uh, Doctor Strange, uh, spent his own money on a concept video he pitched to Marvel so he could get the job of directing the film, which of course he later did. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was the first choice uh, and was offered the lead role of Stephen Strange, but he initially had to decline due to his theatre commitments playing William Shakespeare's Hamlet, which clashed with the film's proposed shooting date. When the release date was pushed back from July 2016 to November 2016, he was able to commit to shooting. Joaquin Phoenix was the studio's second choice for the lead role, but after a few months of deliberation, eventually turned down... Uh, the offer due to his reluctance to do a multi-picture deal that was required by the studio if he signed on. Could you imagine Wacken Phoenix as Doctor Strange? 
very much, and I really, I really, really, really have liked it. Yeah, he has the facial structure, uh, and you know that 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 mad stare for something like that for you know for a Mister. I would have loved it. I and I'll I'll say it right up front. I ain't sold on Benedict in this role. <laughs> no, you're, not, you're not alone in that. A few people commented yeah. saying that. It's the thing with Benedict Cumberbatch. He's he's all right. I don't think he's an amazing actor. He just has a, 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 a kind of vibe. You, you you see him for a vibe, not not his acting skills. I think he's got he's got that kind of. I think he smart. has a great. He has the right physical look for the for the character. Um, but 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 yeah, I, the accent is a problem, a distracting problem throughout the film. It's it's amazing because usually it's Americans who are bad at English accents, but here we've got it the <laughs> other way around. An Englishman who's bad at an American. He just does. Generic American. Yeah, it's accent. a Dyke Van Dick. Dyke Van Dick. Hey! Yeah, it's a reverse Dick Van Dick. I like that. Is that is that a proper thing? Because I love that. No, I just I just made it up. You are a genius. I had to spend like I had to spend a few saying, oh wait, how where, where do I do it? Oh, the van stays the van. Okay, cool. Well, that's what my mum used to call him as a joke. You know, like we say, Sean Canary and Scene Bean and whatnot. Dyke Van Dick, she'd say. But yeah, Dyke Van Dick. But that as a proper term, I like that. Anyway, Whackin' Phoenix. Oh my God, that would have been incredible. Uh, Rachel McAdams who's in the film, had previously decided against appearing in Marvel movies. John Favreau had offered her the role of Pepper Potts in Iron Man, and she turned it down. Due to the popularity of the Marvel films, Rachel McAdams had a change of stance and became interested in appearing in... Uh, yeah, in, yeah, in the Cashola. Cashola, baby, money talks. They're all plumbers in the end, mate. They're all plumbers. <laughs> oh, uh, callback. Callback. There you go. That's what we like. Uh, unknowingly, she was the first choice for the role of Christine. McAdams was uh, also approached by John Favreau uh, oh, have I wrote this down twice? Yeah, I've wrote it down twice. Sorry, wrote that bit about her declining it. Yeah. How would you have felt about? Um, I I love I love Rachel McAdams. I just love her. She's one of the the the. Uh, there are actors I find very very watchable. Mm. Um, they include obviously Denzel Washington and George Clooney um, and Rachel McAdams. I just will I will watch her in anything. I um, yeah, and I. I can really see her doing Pepper Potts. That mm. would, of course, have denied us the incredible chemistry that Downey Jr. and 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 um, and uh, not Gwen Stacy. What's her name? Not Gwen G- Stefani. G- 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 Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow had. Yeah, um, I, they. They. I, I mean, I. I'm a bit on the fence with Gwyneth Paltrow, but I think it's her real life persona that gets in the way of her acting skill in my head subconsciously. Even though I have seen her in a lot of things, and she is good. But right. I, I, okay. Here's where I am with her. Yeah. I have this thing in my head ongoing of. I'm yeah. not sure I really like her. Yeah. But every movie she's in, she's really good, and yeah. she's in some really good movies. And every time I see her on like a like a Graham Norton kind of talk show or being interviewed, she's delightful and fun and relaxed. It's just this kind of um, social media Instagram presence that I find unnerving. Yeah, goop and all of that stuff. It's but verging being, on it's verging on anti-vaxxer territory, isn't it? Well, I don't know about that. I don't really pay that much attention to it. I, I, but it, but it, 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 it leaves me un, unsettled. But you know, in, being interviewed, she seems fab, fab, and she's in great movies. And anyway, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Rachel uh, McAdams. The only other thing I saw of in. Uh, and I'm ve- was very late to the party with this because I saw it the other year. It was Mean Girls, a fantastic. Uh, movie, uh, and yeah. I, I, I always had that down as 
that's not a film for you, Will. But I end up watching because I oh, found out because t- yeah. I found out Tina Fey was behind it after watching Thirty Rock. I was like, I must you know watch Tina Fey stuff, anything I can. And yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was so good. It was incredible. What my uh, wife describes as a memeable movie. You know, a movies, a comedy movies, good when it's incredibly memeable. Because uh, I mean, there's so many little bits in there. But yeah, Rachel McAdams. What's she- a harrowing view of culture? <laughs> hey, this oh, cultures man. cultures are a, a, a constantly evolving thing, mate. I, how yeah. dare you? Yeah. God. Cool. Gr- gripping your seat, going, I won't change. <laughs> I just, I just think that's super depressing. <laughs> movies are good if memes come from them. Okay. No comedy movies specifically. I think comedy movies. Cool. I, I, I never. Anyway, anyway, I think um, one last thing about Rachel McAdams is I think she has the same kind of vibe as. Um, I've completely. She was in uh, Twin Peaks, Austin Powers Two. Heather, uh, Heather, Heather, not Locklear. I was going to say Heather Locklear too. Not Heather Locklear. You know, I know Lock- who you mean though. Boogie Nights, Roller Girl. I've. I, I'm so sorry yeah, because her. I actually have a. I, I. I. We've all had a crush on her because. This, not me, Daddy O. I mean, no, I, I think she has that same vibe where it's like she's very pretty, but she's very. Like down to earth and believable. She Maybe, has that same yeah. charm. I, I, I think that same charm is there with Rachel McAdams because I watched her in this and it's like she seems so normal. I mean, with with um, not Gwen. St- I think we forgot again. Not Gwen Stacy. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. She yeah, is, yeah. She, is, she she seems like a tear above everybody else. She seems yeah. like that kind of thing. But with Rachel McAdams, she's like, oh no, this is someone I can easily talk to. She seems like a real person. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, she does she does project that in performances, kind of relaxed. Heather Graham. Heather Graham, there you Heather go. Graham. Well yeah, that relaxed, she seems good. She doesn't seem like she would call security and have you thrown off a balcony. <laughs> Any production <laughs> I don't know where that came from, I'm really sorry. Anyway, one last thing, this is quite an interesting one. Uh, astrophysicist Adam Frank served as a science consultant on the film to advise on how to portray the changes in the human experience of space and time. Frank also helps Marvel. I know. Hey, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. What a waste of money. I know. Absolute waste of money. I, I, we want to hit, we're making a fantasy movie about magic. So we're going to hire a scientist to consult and Pretend there's a what? Why not just film it however you want, lads, and say if it's not true to the real world, that's because it's fucking magic. What a waste of time! The and end. Money. The end result was fine and profitable. Rob, you should be quiet. I could make it more profitable, mate. I would have fired astrophysicist Adam Frank and saved his wage. Put it all on catering. Give the lads a treat. You can have. Sonic's tea cakes every day. <laughs> the the space time bits look a bit unrealistic. Oh yeah, but the donuts yeah. are fantastic. <laughs> the space time ticks well look unrealistic. <laughs> it's a magic movie. It's a magic movie. <laughs> the fairies and goblins in space time. <laughs> Thanks for joining us as we revisit some of our favourite moments from Marvel vs. Marvel. Don't forget our full-length episodes are jam-packed with hours of Marvel trivia, behind-the-page, behind-the-scenes and comic book Marvel history. Marvel.